Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Happy that you've joined us today for the next 30 minutes of Bible study. That's what we do on this program is we take viewers' questions and try to find answers in the Bible. You may have seen the phone number and the website at the bottom of the screen and wondered what that's for. Uh, That's so you can participate in the program. Uh, Use either one of those. Let us know what's on your mind about the Bible or about uh, some specific thing in the Bible. Uh, Is something in the Bible? Uh, We'll try to find you an answer. We'll put it in a stack of questions and get to it just as quickly as we can. Uh, We're always behind, so we won't answer what you call in today today, but we will get to it as quickly as we can. If you do it with an email, uh, we'll get you a response very quickly to an email, or if you give us your name and address, we'll get you an answer in the mail pretty quickly. But uh, that's the way we operate, and we just want you to know your Bible better. And we found that's a good way is just answer your questions. So we'll be answering some. And uh, the ones we're helping me answer today, Toby Levering's back. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Jeff Martin's here. Good to see you again. Hi, Jeff. And I'm Steve Tandy. And we're going to try to answer as many as we can today. But uh, you get one first. So here's one for our viewers. Uh, What was the sheet, what was in the sheet from heaven? In Peter's vision, Peter had a vision that a sheet was let down from heaven. It was full of something. So what was in that sheet? And we'll give you the answer at the end of the question. Uh, Interesting vision. All right, Toby gets to start us off. So get us going. All right, got a question about hell and death. It says Jesus has the keys of hell and death. What does that mean? All right. Well, I think you're referring to Revelation chapter 1, 17 and 18. So let's look at that verse on the screen together first. This is from the ESV. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me. Now, this is Jesus saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. All right, well, what does that mean? It's kind of an interesting picture. What does it mean that you have the keys? Well, you know, it wasn't probably that Jesus had a physical set of keys, uh, you know, to keep keep track of things. Uh, actually, what that, the idea, certainly from the Old Testament, the, the, there are a couple of places where a key represents authority and control, uh, one who's over something or someone. A simple way I can explain that in an earthly, physical sense is that our church building, we have a few people with keys that unlock everything. We've been given, we've been entrusted with that authority. And uh, that allows that person to basically go anywhere they want within the building. Well, this picture of Jesus having the keys of death and Hades isn't meaning like he's 
has the ability to physically unlock a door. It means he has control. He has authority over death and Hades. Uh, in Revelation chapter 9, just eight chapters later, uh, John describes this. He says, uh, I saw the fifth angel blew his trumpet. I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. So that, that angel, uh, that servant, had authority over that realm, over of, of the, of the bottomless pit. So that's the idea, is that, um, that you've got authority over that. And, of course, we know that Jesus has that. 1 Corinthians 15 famously says, uh, speaking of the resurrection, uh, he says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? So when we serve Jesus, we understand we're serving one who has all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth as well. That's what the idea of keys of, over hell and death or hell, of death and Hades means. I hope that helps you. Okay. Viewers want to know about praying. The Bible says no one comes to the Father <coughs> except through me. So why do Catholics pray to Mary? Uh, if the only way to get to the Father is through Jesus. Well, uh, first of all, that statement about no one comes to the Father except through me is, I think, specifically about salvation. You you don't get to see God unless you come through Jesus. Uh, he's the only way to heaven. Uh, but it does, in a way, apply to our prayers. So since we're taught to pray everything uh, through the authority of Jesus in his name, uh, is how we're able to approach the throne because we're in Christ. So I can see where our viewer uses that for prayer. Uh, but the real question is about uh, is it right or wrong uh, to pray to Mary? Now, let me correct our viewer on one thing. Uh, the viewer says that Catholics pray to Mary. Uh, technically, they do not. Uh, if you read Catholic doctrine, the Catholic encyclopedia, etc., they are very specific that they do not pray to Mary uh, or other saints, but they do pray through them. They ask Mary and other saints to intercede for them. Uh, so they know that they have to ask God for things, but they ask Mary to intercede for them. They ask other saints to intercede and uh, take their case before God. So they, they technically do not pray to Mary as the official Catholic doctrine. Now, so what's the problem with that? Well, the problem is that there's nothing in the Bible that says we should pray to or through anyone except Jesus. Uh, he is the only one that intercedes for us. Uh, he is our intercessor. He's our mediator and the only one mentioned. So let's read 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. Uh, Paul told Timothy there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men. Uh, the man Christ Jesus. Uh, I think that's pretty clear that if you want somebody to mediate with God for you, if you want somebody to approach the throne of God and plead your case, uh, there's one person who can do that, and that's Christ Jesus. Uh, so I believe that's certainly the safest way to do things, the biblical way to do things, is to pray to the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, through Jesus. Uh, he is our mediator. He's our intercessor. Absolutely. There's no Bible basis for thinking that any 
dead person, uh, saint or otherwise, uh, has any power to intercede for us with God. Jeff. Yes. Very simple question. Pretty direct. <laughs> Is smoking a sin? Uh, and I'm, I'm going to add to the viewer's question uh, because I'm a youth minister and also add, is vaping a sin? Uh, the answer is the same and it needs to be answered. Um, God created our bodies. And based on what we read in the Bible, God wants us to take care of that creation. Uh, let's look in 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Uh, it makes it pretty clear. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Um, now, I'm sure that someone could make the argument if they only smoke one time a year, one time a month, uh, that smoking is, is not a sin, that they could, they could be okay. But I, I have yet to meet, or at least meet very many moderate smokers. Um, and even small amounts of smoking cause permanent damage to your lungs, which again are part of that creation of God. Uh, more than that, any time we use a substance that has the potential of being ad addictive, uh, we have the potential of, of getting addicted. And that, that creates an even bigger problem. I have never met a longtime smoker uh, that, that wishes that they couldn't, or sorry, that doesn't wish that they could quit. Uh, and as Christians, that should be one of the many red flags when it becomes to, when it comes to substances that we put in our body. Um, letting something control your body, where the spirit of God resides, uh, is is definitely a sinful thing. It goes against the command that we just read, and it could easily be considered idolatry, and would therefore be a sin in that way as well. And the best bet as a Christian. Don't smoke. <clears throat> okay, good answer. Uh, one thing you didn't include there is our influence uh, among the world. And Absolutely. A lot of the world would say, no, smoking is not a sin, drinking is not a sin, mm -hmm. whatever. But still, when they want to describe a really good person, they say, well, he doesn't smoke or drink or anything. That's right. Okay, so the world sees it that way. And if we're striving for our best influence, perhaps we'd consider that yeah if you sense. think about if you all watching at home if you know turned on the program and we were all uh, smoking uh, it might influence our impact a little bit you know just exactly right our our influence might be affected that's so. a good point <laughs> i might have to find a different studio i don't know if they allow that in here <laughs> okay let's talk about a way to study the bible uh, we like to answer a few questions each week, but we also promote a little deeper Bible study than that, a, a little more personal, a little in-your-home kind of Bible study. And if you're doing that already and are happy with the way you've got your system laid out, that's great. But if you don't know how to study the Bible, uh, we can help you with that. Uh, we've got some tools that we'll send to you absolutely free of charge. Uh, this is an eight-lesson series. The first one you'll get is called the Old Testament. It'll just show you what the Old Testament's about. Then the second one is the New Testament, and it'll tell you what it's about and the difference between them. So great way to start studying the Bible. Uh, then we've got other lessons that take you deeper into Bible study and are a little bit longer. Uh, all of them will keep you studying the Bible for a long time. 
with Know Your Bible Study Tools, and we've got an online course that we think is a great new way to study the Bible. If you'd like to do it digitally, uh, whenever, wherever you want, just log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org. Uh, you won't have to worry with uh, paper and pen and mailing things, and uh, you'll save us a stamp on every lesson. So uh, all of that's good if you want to study digitally. Phone number, website on the screen. Use those anytime. Tell us you'd like that free course. We'll get it started for you. All right, Toby. All right. Uh, the question is about Satan and angels. Did God create? <clears throat> excuse me. Did God create Satan and the angels, or have they always been there? Uh, my answer is God created Satan and the angels. Now, that probably jars you a little bit because you think, well, how would God create Satan? Well. I, I, Satan chose at some point to rebel against God, but uh, just like human beings did. And but when God created him, he probably was, or surely was not uh, evil at that point. But he he made decisions. He rebelled against God. Angels in the Bible is a very interesting study. The word in the Greek, the angelos, uh, the word simply means servants. They are created by God to serve Him to do the things that He wants to do. So we see them appearing throughout the Old Testament and the New, uh, doing God's will here on earth. Um, Job chapter 38, 4 through 7, gives us this idea that they were created. Uh, God saying to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurement? Surely you know. Who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? So the, the celestial beings, the angels, uh, they were created. They were a part of creation. Now, were they created at the same time as the earth? Uh, probably not. Before, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say when the angels were created, when Satan was created, uh, how he fell, and all of that. We just get a small glimpse of it, which I think is important because I don't think the Bible wants our focus to be on angels. Um, we know they're more powerful and seem to be at a higher level than human beings, and so our tendency might be to worship them, uh, to give honor to them, and that's not what angels were created for. Uh, they're not to receive glory. Rather, only God's to receive glory. Um, interesting that angels have free will. Uh, to some degree or another, they have the ability to obey and to disobey. If you're following along, move from Job 38 to Second Peter 2. Peter writes this, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. So <clears throat> angels created uh, by God, angels have some degree of free will, the ability to sin, and certainly God punishes them for that sin. And so uh, God created them, uh, but they have some amount of free will, whether they're going to obey and serve him as he calls them to do. Uh, let's look at Colossians 1.16, gives us one final idea about uh, this that angels are created for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether <laughs> thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him so uh, they have not always been there god created them at some point but the bible doesn't say when hope that helps all right a question about uh, blaspheming the holy spirit or speaking against the Holy Spirit, it's in Matthew 12, 
And our viewer says, it says if a person speaks against the Holy Spirit, he will not be forgiven. Does this mean such a person is doomed? Uh, well, let's think through this a little bit. Uh, what our viewer is saying, it says, and Jesus did say, if you speak against the Holy Spirit, you won't be forgiven uh, in this age or the next. So our viewers read that and thinks, okay, if somebody says, uh, curse the Holy Spirit, speaks against the Holy Spirit in some way, that the party's over. He's done. There's no chance. Uh, he is going to hell no matter how he lives the rest of his life. Uh, I think that's what doomed means is settled right then. Okay, now that's not what Jesus is talking about in this context. Uh, speaking against the Holy Spirit, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not a one-time act that finishes your chances. Uh, it's not a good thing to do by any means, uh, but it's not a one-time act he's talking about. Uh, what had happened, if you read Matthew chapter 12, is Jesus had done a miracle, and the Pharisees and scribes who didn't want to believe in Jesus said, well, he did a miracle, uh, but we can't admit he's God, so let's say that he did it by the power of Satan. Okay, so what they said was the power of the Holy Spirit that enabled the miracle was actually the power of Satan. And Jesus said, you know, that, <laughs> that's dangerous territory. You, you deny the power of the Holy Spirit. You speak against the Holy Spirit, and you can't be forgiven. Okay, if we think through what he meant, we find out that's true. Uh, <clears throat> if we deny that the Holy Spirit has done something, for instance, this word, uh, he wrote this word, and it's the only way we find out about God. If we deny that and say, no, the Bible's just written by a bunch of men. It's just a bunch of myths and fables. There's nothing divine about it. Uh, I don't have to believe it. If you believe that, there's no chance for you. You can't be forgiven. Uh, the only way to be forgiven is to begin to understand that, yes, the, the Holy Spirit is divine and he prepared this word and God's truth is in there. Then you've got a chance to be forgiven. Okay, So that's what Jesus is meaning, uh, that you can speak against me while I'm here, he said, because he hadn't been resurrected yet. They didn't know the whole story yet. But he said, if you deny the Holy Spirit, if you deny his power, uh, then there's no chance for you. So as long as you believe this is God's word, you believe there is a God, uh, you've got a chance to come to salvation and forgiveness and all that. Uh, once you deny that there's anything divine to deal with, you, there's no chance, there's no way you can be forgiven. So I think that explains uh, what Jesus means there a little bit better. All right, let me invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, we are sponsored by the Churches of Christ and kept on the air by them, so we like to mention some uh, every week. Let me mention a couple today that are uh, <coughs> up in uh, Auburn, uh, Missouri. <laughs> I forgot what state we were in here. Uh, Watermill Church of Christ in Springfield are our partners there and take care of that market that we broadcast from Springfield on KSPR. 
And then uh, close to them, just a little bit east of uh, Springfield, is the Mansfield Missouri Church of Christ, a great a little group of folks that uh, believe in this program and watch it together and support us. And we thank them for that support along, along with the Watermill Group and all the work they do for Know Your Bible. So if you live in that area and uh, looking for a church home, drop in and visit one of them sometime and tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. All right, Toby's got another one here. A question about heaven. Do people and uh, who have died and are in heaven know what is going on here on earth? Well, I understand what the viewer's asking because we hear that. Sometimes maybe we think that. Sometimes we, we have this idea, especially uh, with someone who has passed on, certainly someone that we love. Hebrews chapter uh, 12 says that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So we kind of <clears throat> take that verse a little bit out of context and imagine all of our loved ones there up in the clouds, up in heaven, kind of peering over and watching over us. And you'll hear that phrase used, well, they're, they're watching over us and, and all of that. Well, the, that's a nice idea. <laughs> it's not a biblical idea. It's not one that we that we see directly in Scripture. Yes, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Uh, however, the writer of Hebrews is not referring uh, to your dear sweet grandmother up in heaven. He's referring to the people he's just described in uh, the previous chapter. Uh, the witnesses are the heroes of faith. And so when we look for a Bible verse that tells us that people who have died and they're in heaven, do they have any idea about things going on in earth? We just don't. We, we do know from Luke 16, uh, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. We've talked about that story many times on this program. Uh, it's important because it gives us some insights into the afterlife. Well, there the rich man, he was in agony, he was in pain, he recognized people, and he had memory of his brothers who had not yet passed away. But the Bible never tells us that he could see exactly what they were doing. He asked Abraham to send someone back to them. And so I personally think there's a separation between uh, the realm of the dead and, and here on earth. They probably have memory of us and recognition of us, uh, but there's no idea from Scripture that they have any idea of what's going on here on earth and that they're watching over our day-to-day -day activities. Uh, I could be wrong on that. That's fine if I am, but this, I, I'm not going to find a verse that specifically says that. Uh, let's look at the reference I mentioned in Luke 16, uh, 27, 28. The rich man says, I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that they may warn them, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So while they, he, uh, the rich man didn't have an idea of what exactly his brothers were doing, he did remember that they were there and wanted them to be warned against the punishment that he was in. I hope that helps uh, a little bit. Yeah. We get a lot of questions about the afterlife and what we're going to know, and yep. we just can't say. Yep. Uh, we wish yep. we could. Uh, there were a very few people have gone to the afterlife and came back. Right. Lazarus and yeah. a few others, and they didn't tell anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't give us the information. So we wish we had it, but we'll get it someday. Someday. All right, Jeff, question, a little history question about yes. uh, David and his sons. Did any of David's sons besides Solomon become king? Uh, and the short answer to that is no. 
David chose Solomon as his successor because the word of the Lord came to him telling him to do so. Um, now, David did have two sons that made an attempt uh, to become king. Uh, specifically, Absalom launched a coup against him, which didn't go very well, and he ended up dying in battle. And then Adonijah tried to exalt himself or claim himself as king. Uh, that didn't work out well for him. And then he tried once again to arrange a marriage of someone close to David so he could, he could become king, and he was eventually executed for those efforts. Uh, the life of David was a rough one. If you ever get a chance to read it, it's very interesting. Uh, it'll make you feel good about your own life. Uh, and all of this can be found in, in 1 Kings. But Solomon was the only son who became king. Yep, he did have a dysfunctional family. Yes. All came from where dysfunction comes from, mm -hmm. sin. That's right. He was, was a hero of the faith and a man after God's own heart, but mm -hmm. sin messed things up. It always does. <laughs> yep, great story. All right, let's squeeze one more in here. question about uh, Jesus and one of his miracles. Uh, viewers got an interesting take on this famous story. Uh, when Jesus cast the demons into a herd of swine... And they all died. That cost the farmer a lot of money. Now, that doesn't seem fair. Well, I got to admit, I've read that story and told it a lot of times in my uh, decades, and I never kind of took that take on it. But I'll admit, our viewers got a good point there. The whole story is that uh, there was some a demon possessed fellow in the of the area there and causing a lot of trouble in the town and Jesus met him and uh, he was full of demons. He had a lot of demons in him. And Jesus cast them out and sent them into a herd of swine that were nearby. <clears throat> and the swine all ran off the cliff and died. Uh, so Jesus had power over demons as the main story of the, or the lesson of the story. Well, our viewer says, what about the poor farmer? <laughs> this guy just lost his whole herd of swine. Uh, what did Jesus, why didn't Jesus do something about that? Uh, good question. And the answer is, we don't know that he didn't. Uh, the story just ends there. It doesn't tell us about anything after that. Uh, the more I think about it, I think Jesus probably did take care of it. And he could have done a whole lot of things. Uh, he could have had Judas just pay the guy. Uh, what were those pigs worth, and recompensed him for it. Uh, Judas was the treasurer, by the way, so he would have had the, the money bag to pay him. Uh, Jesus could have blessed him with more pigs. You know, He could have just said, here, here's a new herd for you, and created them. Uh, for that matter, he could have resurrected the dead pigs. Uh, he could have had them come back to life a half hour later if he wanted to. So... Uh, Knowing the the uh, heart of Jesus, the character of Jesus, uh, and after this viewer made me think a little bit, I'd say Jesus probably did take care of it in some way, but we have no idea how he did. Certainly, uh, it would have been unfair to destroy a man's livelihood, and I imagine Jesus took care of it, even though... Uh, the fellow was not a Jew, obviously, if he was raising pigs. So, <laughs> good story, good question. All right, let's get our trivia question answered today. And it was, uh, what was in the sheet from heaven that was in Peter's vision? Uh, famous 
vision in Acts chapter 10, and the answer is a whole lot of unclean animals. Uh, God was trying to teach Peter that he could go teach Gentiles and uh, do something that he had considered unclean, so he illustrated that with unclean animals and told him to eat from those animals. End of the program today, but we're out of time, but we're going to be back next week answer some more of your questions. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.